Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Modern Retail Podcast. I'm Kale Guthrie-Weissman, the Editor-in-Chief here at Modern Retail. And this week, I'm really excited. We have Chitra Agrawal. She's the founder and CEO of Brooklyn Deli, which makes, among other things, Indian simmer sauces that are found in probably a lot of the grocery stores you go to. I'm really excited just to get just into the sauce space, the grocery space. I have a lot of questions about distribution and also brand storytelling for this type of a brand. Um, We're going to get into it all. But Chitra, how are you doing? Thank you for joining me. Good. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Absolutely. So first, uh, tell us about yourself. How did did Brooklyn Deli come about and what were you doing before then? So I think I kind of found my way into this um, business uh, unknowingly in some sense. Um, I was actually working a um, a day job when I started a blog where um, I was just documenting my family's recipes from India. And um, it really started out as a hobby and it became much more, as you can see. Um, I, I started out kind of just writing about the recipes um, that I was learning from my family, but then um, it started to kind of take this turn where the blog started to become this way for me to explore my identity as an Indian American through food. So I was really making recipes that were founded in these very traditional Indian cooking techniques, but then I was using local fruits or vegetables, or I was infusing other cuisines um, into, uh, the recipes I was making. And over time, besides my mother, more people started reading this blog and, um, that's always nice. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I started to get asked to teach cooking classes and then, um, started to collaborate with different chefs and farmers and hosted pop-up dinners and sold, um, food at markets and kind of one thing led to another. And I got reached out to by a publisher that wanted to write, or wanted me to write a cookbook. Um, and then I think that what happened was, well, I got laid off from my job and <laughs> which that's always how, leads that's how to many, that's, Yeah, I was about to say, that's how many yeah. great stories begin is that sad day when you get laid off. Exactly. So I got laid off from my job and, you know, for the first time I wasn't scared. I wasn't like, oh, I have to go find another job because I, I almost felt relieved because I felt like I had kind of done all this work. Um, it was maybe now five years in um, of doing the blog and all these events that I realized that I wanted to pursue food full time. So I ended up taking a book deal because the book deal was happening kind of around the same time. And then I decided to launch Brooklyn Deli um, with my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, who's a food packaging designer. Oh, wow. So that that's a, a real relationship synergy. I hate to say that word, but it did. <laughs> I guess that kind of works out. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it worked out. <laughs> what made you decide, given, and I feel like, I think, pretty sure I've cooked your recipes over the years. Um, I've definitely see, seen your name. So thank you for giving giving me food to make at my house. Um, but uh, what made you decide at that time that you were going to go into the, the sort of the business of making food as opposed to, say, the media aspect of things? Right. So yeah, I never really pictured that I would have a product on uh, a store in a store um, before. Um, I think that part of it was that, um, well, if you really want to know, I had entered this business plan competition. Um, it was called the Power Up Competition in, in Brooklyn. And at the time, 
Um, I thought that I wanted, I knew I wanted to do something in food and South Asian culture, but I wasn't sure exactly what that was. It could have been a space or, or something like that. And um, they had this uh, kind of this initial meeting and I realized I couldn't go to it. And so I asked Ben, um, my boyfriend, to go to it because I was like, we need to go to this first meeting in order to, to actually enter it. So he went, but then he came back and he was like, Shithra, now I have to be the point person on this project. He's like, so why don't we do something together? And he he loved the achars that I was making, which is a spicy Indian condiment. I was making them from different fruits and vegetables I was getting at the farmer's market and serving them at uh, my pop-up dinners and cooking classes. And he was like, everybody loves those. He's like, I'm a food packaging designer. Why don't we work on a brand together? Um, and so we ended up doing this whole business plan. Um, and I mean, it was like weeks and weeks and we entered in and we ended up losing. Um, <laughs> and so, but we had done all this work. We had done all the packaging. We'd done all the planning. And so um, we were just like, you know, fuck it, let's just do it. Um, and so that it, that kind of then got the ball rolling um, for Brooklyn Deli. And we just kind of took a leap of faith. And I feel like it, with a lot of things that happen that feel magical, I feel like that's, that was kind of what the feeling was, I think, in the beginning. Also with Brooklyn Deli, it was just like we were just creating this brand together. And that's kind of how Brooklyn Deli came to be. And it's just, I mean, it's the same. I'm still developing all the recipes and Ben is still designing the packaging. Wow. Can you talk a little about what, or actually first, what year was it when you decided to just go full on, we're going to make this into you know a consumer facing brand? We launched in 2014. So I'd say... Um, we probably planned maybe six months before that time when we had done the business plan competition and everything like that. Can you talk about what the the initial, I guess, rollout and distribution was? That's nowadays you see a lot of like online brands that you know are doing that. 2014, not so much. That wasn't like the the way to really get people to to buy your sauces. So was it completely localized? Were you going to be a Brooklyn company? Yeah, it was definitely. Yeah, I think that that time period is is interesting. It is very different from now. It was more kind of the artisan food kind of renaissance, right? That was happening in Brooklyn. And I think it was definitely also a part, even from what was happening in restaurants too, where it was just a lot of passionate home cooks that were kind of putting out these recipes and, you know, doing these pop-up dinners and just like selling food. And um, so I think that Brooklyn Deli kind of came from that type of an environment really. And so the first um, places that you could find our products were at events and at markets, um, in the city. So I was selling at like the Brooklyn flea, um, and then any, basically any market that <laughs> was around, um, and then on our website as well. And I was hand making the product in the beginning too. So was national distribution always part of it. It seems like specifically back then when it was the artisan movement, it's a very localized sort of movement where, you know, you you have your community, people around you, and you you become sort of a local star, I guess you could say. Was that how, how you were envisioning it? Or was it always that you were going to get into Whole Foods? Well, yeah. I mean, we always kind of like, I feel like one thing that Ben and I love to do is just 
go to the grocery store. And so um, we always kind of pictured our product on store shelves one day. Um, but to get there, um, I think we first knew that we needed to start kind of at this very local market level to kind of understand also like what what was it that people you know thought about the product how can we tweak maybe the label because like, uh, those beginning years were very important because we got so much feedback from customers and that really played into you know how we marketed um, the product and how we educated people um, about it so I'd say that in the beginning we we definitely started out slow and I have to say I mean for the first four years, I still had, um, you know, I was, I was, uh, writing the cookbook and I was using the advance to live as well as doing freelance work in marketing because we didn't have any outside funding and we still don't. Walk me through, I guess those were now eight years because it's been a while since 2014. So what was the first big milestone after initial launch and where are you now? Yeah. So after launch, um, what happened was we started doing these, these markets. And I think that, uh, what was big for us was that press started writing about us. So all these food critics were really interested in what we were doing because we were the first, um, company to be selling a char that was kind of marketed towards just like the general audience versus, you know, you could find in a char an Indian pickle in an Indian shop, right? But there was no real, you know, there wasn't any other a char. So that was kind of interesting, I felt. Um, and they also love the flavors too. So that kind of started to get the ball rolling as far as retail went, because after that, people started to like store buyers started to read those reviews and then reach out to us. And that became our funnel for the first um, store accounts um, that we that we had uh, Brooklyn Deli in. What were the first store accounts? Well, the first store account was actually really near to my apartment's time, which was Green Grape Provisions in Fort Greene. Um, and I then, love Green Grape. Yeah. <laughs> and so I remember I did demos there. And then we got into Depanur. We got into Calusians. We were in, um, you know, all of these different really, um, I guess, kind of specialty markets in Brooklyn and in New York City. Um, and then we started to kind of uh, branch out from there into to more and more markets like that across the country. Can you talk about the initial branding? Because you sort of hit on this earlier where you wanted, you know, before to get something like an Achar, you'd have to go usually to an Indian market. And so how did you approach sort of storytelling that and making it such a way that a buyer might be interested in putting it into a more national grocery setting? Yeah. So I felt like my blogging kind of experience really helped there because I was all, I was, and I am still passionate about developing recipes that are so rooted in these Indian flavors. So that naturally um, led to me developing all these different recipes using the achars. So I remember our first postcard was um, like a, a shakshuka, a tomato achar shakshuka. And so that was kind of a way to signal that, hey, th this product is actually more of a crossover product. It's not just a product that you would use in an Indian context. And I developed the recipes. So 
if you go to an Indian shop and you buy an achara and Indian pickle, it is super, super like really salty, right? And it's super intense. And you probably just can put a tiny bit on whatever you're eating. And it's like, okay, that's, that's good. I'm good. But with the achara that I developed, I wanted it to be used more sparingly because I love the flavor of achara, but it like, I mean, it's not, it's not healthy for you. So the ones that I develop have 75% less sodium than the ones that you find in an Indian shop and they don't have any preservatives. So mine were more of like this homemade version that you can't really find in, in, in any store per se. So, um, but they, they play really well with other flavors. Um, and you know, our first product was the tomato achar. Uh, and then our second one was a roasted garlic achar and roasted garlic achar doesn't really exist before our version. You find like pickled garlic pick, um, achar in India. That's kind of crunchy. But I, I tell this to people, it's like, I grew up in Jersey and I love roasted garlic and I wanted to kind of meld the <laughs> roasted garlic flavor with Indian spices. And so that's kind of how our roasted garlic came to be. And, you know, what happened was a lot of different restaurants actually in Brooklyn started using the garlic achar. I remember there was a place um, that it was 61 local that started making a deviled egg with the roasted garlic achar. So then they were just getting, you know, buckets of roasted garlic achar and, and making, and that, and that was great because it was another way to educate people, um, on the brand and also get them to taste it. Um, green grape actually started putting our tomato achar into a regular sandwich, um, in their cafe. And then, um, Emily, uh, the pizza place started putting our tomato achar and a roasted garlic achar on, on their different pizzas. So we started kind of getting out the word in different ways like that too. Yeah, I was going to say with the the Jersey background and and, uh, roasted garlic, it's kind of like a mixture of the, you know, Italian New Jersey and then, you know, also the the Indian Italian put together. Oh yeah, Um, totally. (laughs) uh, Did you, like when, when you were doing that early on and you're getting these partnerships with restaurants, were you specifically asking the restaurants to put your name like on the menu? Like, how do you make it so that, you know, the, the, the ingredients in there, but how do you make it so that you're actually educating the, the person who's eating that? Yeah, I definitely did that. So whenever a buyer or um, a chef would reach out to us, um, I would kind of give them a discount if they would put our name on the menu or um, so they could feature us. And then we would get those impressions or get people to know that this was Brooklyn Deli and then they would look for it to buy it. That's super smart. I never even thought about like discounting. And so, I mean, there's probably no way to track that, but was there, did you, were you able to find something that happened when you were at Emily, for example, like, was there suddenly like a moment where you're like more people now know what Achara is or they, they're searching us more online or something like that? Well, I could definitely see, I mean, with green grape, we could see it, um, very, uh, it was very direct because it was that they were selling it in their, um, on their sandwich and then they were selling the actual product in their store. So it really kind of helped. And we have a lot of people that, um, you know, were our original green grape customers too, I feel like. So that it definitely, it definitely worked. Let's talk about the the transition to national. So what was the very first national account that you got? And 
did, how much did you have to change any of the branding or what was going through your thought? And, you know, just walk me through that entire process. So our first national account was Whole Foods and we were selling to Whole Foods actually locally. So I was a featured local vendor and we were going kind of store by store by store. And um, what ended up happening is, um, and this is actually, you know, a real pivotal time for us um, when we went to this trade show where we met the national buyer for Whole Foods foods was that um, we were realizing that we were having a really hard time. Um, you know, buyers were very interested in what a char was and they loved the flavor of it, but then they would put it on the shelf and it wouldn't sell because a lot of customers didn't know what it was until I would come and demo in the store. And then we would get customers because people would buy and be like, oh my God, this is so good. Like I, you know, and then they would tell other people, but we realized that it couldn't be everywhere at once. And we didn't have the funding. We didn't have the funding to do that. So I think that we kind of came to a crossroads where, remember, I was expecting my first child and Ben and I were just talking about, you know, is this business sustainable? Uh, I wasn't able to pay myself at that point. I was still having a part-time job and we had two trade shows that we had lined up and we had decided that if we didn't get some substantial leads at those shows, then we would have to seriously consider closing. Um, and so we got ready for this first show uh, by coming up with a number of concept cards because we felt that from a national level, a char was going to need a lot of support that we didn't have the budget for. So we had, I remember Ben and I were working on this, like, I mean, days before this show was going to begin. And uh, we had, one of the ideas was this curry ketchup. And at home, we would take ketchup and mix it with our tomato achar and kind of eat it with eggs. We loved it. And we were like, why don't we, that could be a pitch because that could be a good pitch because it kind of, it, it's infused with the flavors of the tomato achar, but it's also something that is easily, um, you know, recognizable to people. Um, and then it could kind of like lead people back into trying the achars, right? So we came into the show with a bunch of those ideas and the Whole Foods buyer came up to us and she said that she was really interested in our achars and taking those nationally possibly. And this was a period where we were like, oh my God, you know, national, but also understanding that what national meant from just a budgeting standpoint. So we kind of told her that we didn't feel that a char was maybe ready for that right now, based on kind of the budget that we have to support a launch like that, but that we have these other ideas for her. So we showed her all of these, we had laminated these cards. That's, <laughs> I remember you were that. So, you were so prepared. I you know. know. <laughs> and so we showed her a bunch of the ideas and she, she hit on the curry ketchup idea. And 
she was just like, you know, I'd love to try this. Um, you know, why don't you send me a sample? I'm going back to um, Austin. At the time we were in San Francisco and Ben and I were like, okay, so we need to make it. We were at this trade show. So we went back to our Airbnb. We made the samples. Um, we made ketchup. We mixed it with our tomato achar. We had several different samples. Like my whole family was there. My, my, my parents had come. <laughs> like my brother lives in San Francisco. So we were all trying these different samples. And then we finally landed on one that we felt like was the best. So we just overnighted it to her and we, we got a phone call from her, um, the next day. And she was like, I love this product. The flavors are amazing. Our whole team is ecstatic about it. We want to take it national. Um, and she was like, and can you also develop a curry mustard for us? And I was like, sure. <laughs> Why not? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the next few months were definitely filled with a lot of mustard in our home. I had mustard like coming out of my ears <laughs> and, you know, um, like six months later, we, we launched nationally with Whole Foods with our curry ketchup and our curry mustard. And yeah, <laughs> that was a wild ride. That's wild. And this actually leads perfectly to the question I wanted to ask you. And I've talked with other food founders about this specifically who have like quote unquote ethnic foods. And it's when you have national distribution, what is the proper placement? Because um, I think I was talking with Fly By Jing uh, founder and she was like, we're a hot sauce. We're not necessarily a chili crisp. And so that would be, you know, we, we would get so many more sales. And it seems like if you're doing a ketchup and a mustard, that gives you probably better placement than if you were just in another part. Is that what did, where did you get placed and how have you been navigating that specifically with buyers who, you know, might want to pigeonhole you into a certain section? Right. No, that's a really good question. So we had conversations with the buyer on where we thought this product should go. So it was very much a collaboration in that sense. Um, and so we kind of thought about it rationally about how would a consumer kind of think about this, right? So it's like, if you're going to the international aisle, it's not that you're looking for ketchup or mustard, really, right? But if you're in the condiments aisle already and you see a curry ketchup and you see a curry mustard, maybe you try it. And so that was kind of our idea and that's what we went with. So we launched in the condiments aisle, actually, at that's Whole Foods. amazing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, so that's where we landed, but then, you know, the other project products, the subsequent products that we launched have all been in the, the international aisle because other products that were kind of like those products were, were there. But I do have an interesting kind of other story about Achar, which is that when we first launched in Whole Foods, just at a local level, um, you know, they had characterized it as a pickle or a relish. And so some of the stores actually started putting it there, but it wasn't selling because people didn't get the connection that this was a pickle and it's not used in the same way as a pickle, I'd say. So when we moved it to the international or the global flavors aisle, it started selling more there. I mean, I think it's up to your point of meeting, like if you're, if you're going to a certain aisle with a certain idea, you know what you're going to, when you go to the grocery store, you have an idea what you're going to make at home. So I imagine that sort of plays into it. Exactly. Totally. So talk, talk to me about where you are now with what stores are you in nationally? How have you been able to grow that up? And what has sort of the on the operational side, how did you grow that up as well? 
Yeah, so I feel like with Whole Foods, what was great was that we we became um, partners with our uh, our buyer there, and uh, we really started to kind of just develop this relationship where um, she really trusted our flavors and kind of came to us when um, she was actually thinking about maybe some gaps in the market. So that was how we actually I, I developed uh, the next um, the next products which were our simmer sauces. So she had come to us and said, you know, have you thought about maybe developing um, some Indian simmer sauces? And uh, I had not. So um, I I said, no, I think that's interesting. And I, I felt like there could be, you know, a Brooklyn Deli angle to what we were doing. So we basically took um, these very you know, traditional kind of restaurant um, sauces, but we made them all plant-based. So tikka masala is made with butter and cream, um, but instead the the recipe that I developed was one that used an organic coconut cream. And the other piece was that we made all of our simmer sauces mild because we wanted to educate people on how to use a char. So on all of our bottles, we had on the side, it was like, do you like, do you want it spicy? And then we had, um, pictures of our achars there. So at the end of the day, we're always trying to kind of get people to understand what achar is, because I think that for us is the way that you we can expand people's um, kind of understanding of Indian food, because achar is such a staple in Indian homes. Um, but all of our products kind of point back that way, um, because that's kind of our mission. And so, so that's kind of how the simmer sauces kind of um, came to be, and then we launched those nationally. And I'd say one piece that really helped us at the same time the launch was going on um, with Whole Foods is that we um, we started a partnership with Blue Apron, and you know at the time uh, we were kind of you know hitting a wall with how can we kind of. Uh, demo a char and sample it to more people. Um, and Blue Apron kind of was that answer. And I used to teach cooking classes at Brooklyn Kitchen. And one of the people that I worked with there became a culinary team member at Blue Apron. And she was she knew about our achars and she was like, I think that this achar could be really interesting for Blue Apron customers. Um, and so we started to talk and we ended up putting our tomato achar into these 1.5 ounce branded cups into Blue Apron uh, meal boxes. And it ended up getting and still continues to be sampled to millions of people across the country. And what's amazing about it is that people taste it, they understand how to use it, and then they want to buy it in the retail store. So they'll go and look at our store locator and then find a store near them um, where the achar is. And so over time, that relationship has also grown where I've worked with their culinary team to develop other flavors. So I developed our mango chutney with them. And then I also developed our korma with them. And those products also became um, retail products. So there's been this kind of like ping-ponging um, where people are kind of getting educated um, with the Blue Apron boxes and then they're going to the retail level and becoming our customers. 
I wanted to ask more about that because I knew about the Blue Apron stuff. And I know that I think I was doing some Googling and I saw this week that you have new recipes up with Fresh Direct or something like that. Is that is that correct? Am I inc- And so what, when you do these types of partnerships with more national companies, how important is it that there is sort of an education component as opposed to just sort of being drop, you know, put there and hoping that it sells? Right. Um, for us, it is really important. So I think that um, we started to really understand kind of people's mindset also when they're in different places. And so I think that has helped us to kind of understand um, how to go about, um, you know, what it is that we need in each of these channels. So, you know, I know from my own experience, when I go into the grocery store, I'm in a little bit of tunnel vision. I know what I want to get. Not really like trying a lot of different things, possibly. Maybe I've read about it and that's how I'm trying it. Um, but like, you know, the the place that a char came from, which is like a pop-up dinner or a cooking class, that's like a place where you're definitely going in there and you're like, I want to explore. I want to learn something new. And I think that that's also a Blue Apron customer. They are Blue Apron customers because they want to discover something new. Um, and so that's why a char works so perfectly there. But if you take a simmer sauce that we make, that's not going to take as much education if you put it onto a, a shelf because people go to in Indian restaurants and they know, you know, butter masala, they know korma and, and they know all of these different dishes. So it's not going to be, there's not going to be as much education, I'd say. Um, and so the achar, um, it has been I have pushed the HR into certain retailers that can support the education around it. So Fresh Direct is one of those places. So, you know, recently they they made um, a video featuring all of their um, different, some of their different makers. And we were one of those. And, you know, they're trying to, in a way, they're investing in us, right, um, by making a video about us. And that's going to go out to all their customers. And on that video, we're talking about a char. And so I feel like that's the type of partner that we need when we're looking at a retail partner or we're looking at a channel like a meal kit, like a Blue Apron that already has customers that are already in that mindset of wanting to discover something new. Mm-hmm. Do you do you sell the product from your own website or right now is it only sold in, in grocery stores? We also sell it on our website too. So yeah, we've always had an online store from the beginning. Is that sort of just a self-running engine? Do you try to get people, do you try to focus on your DTC channel at all? Or is it, or how does that fit into the overall pie, the sales pie? So yeah, I mean, for the last few years, because we do have quite a small team, um, we have been kind of managing or or handling the opportunities that we have. So a lot of that has been the grocery store business and um, and the meal kit industry or, or restaurant also before the pandemic was also picking up for us. Um, and so we didn't put as much kind of emphasis on um, the D2C business. But now I feel like the team is kind of growing and we're, at, we're actually kind of, we're working more on that channel. So we have a number of new offerings that will be only specific to, um, to that channel. Um, I think for us, like some of the strategy is like differentiating 
what we can offer um, at the D2C level versus what we can offer at the retailer level. We're almost running out of time, but I have a million more questions for you. So, but let's, I didn't ask you anything about marketing and I, I think you're in a really interesting spot because you've been around for so long. And so you, you like what, what a, you know, food company was specifically a small food company 2014 is very different than the way you market it nowadays, specifically with you focusing more on DTC. So talk about how you're approaching that now, where are you putting a lot of marketing dollars in? Are you trying to drive them to grocery stores? How are you thinking about all of this? Right. I mean, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of pieces to the puzzle, I'd say. I mean, I can talk about, um, from the beginning, right? We have always kind of been very focused on social. And I think that that kind of has really been the place where I kind of knew what to do and coming from the blogging point of view. So the development of recipes and things like that kind of have been always a focus for us. So that's where, um, that's where my passion lies. And I feel like that's also the best way to educate people on how to use our products. So we've definitely used that channel um, uh, quite a bit. And I think that the strategy has grown too, because also food businesses today, it's like, you're not just selling a product, right? It's it's more than that. And Brooklyn Deli, I think, embodies so much more. It's not just a celebration of Indian cuisine. It's also a celebration of South Asian culture. And, and so I think that that has definitely played into um, our marketing strategy, where it's not just about the food on our, on our feeds or um, you know the emails that we send out. It's also about trying to uplift other South Asians that are doing cool, cool stuff, right? Um, and I think that, so the strategy is kind of broad when it comes to to, you know, branding and, and, and marketing, I'd say. Um, but then I guess like, uh, I guess uh, I'm trying to think like what other kind of pieces, like, you know, mm-hmm. do you want me to kind of delve into? I mean, do you do, so you have the social aspect. Do you do any other digital advertising? Do you like, how do you try to get the, is it, or is it all just organic pretty much that you try to get the word out? Yeah. For for the most part, social has been organic for us. Um, but the one place that we have kind of invested in is um, like Instacart um, and things like that. So that's where we've put some of our dollars, but I think as our um, D to C, um, I guess strategy develops. I think that that will definitely kind of lead us to more of the kind of paid social um, avenues, but we haven't delved in there just yet. I wanted to ask you a question because I was doing research and I realized that I had read about this, but I forgotten. So I apologize. But there, I think it was about a, a year ago, or maybe a little bit more when you you made a post that I think went viral, um, because of, of Trader Joe's. And so the, the, the backstory is essentially or if you want to sell it again, but pretty much Trader Joe's came out with a product that looked eerily similar to yours. And you had been before having conversations with them. Correct me if okay. this is... Uh, so, uh, <laughs> That's it. So uh, can you just talk to me about what made you decide to do that? It seems like it was probably, it, like, got you a lot of press, so that probably was a, a overall good thing in the end. But how do you do that calculus of when you're going to do that as a small player? Right. Yeah. I remember. I distinctly remember <laughs> the time where I just was like, I need to say something. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> it was it, it was basically that I, I wanted to say something because I wanted people to know that we did not 
pack the watered down version of a char <laughs> that was on the Trader Joe's shelf because so many people had come to us and they were just like, doesn't taste right. Is this your product? And um, I just wanted to set the record straight at that point uh, because there was consumer confusion. And I had hesitated at saying anything like a, a, a customer had reached out to us and they, you know, told us about it. And I looked at the package and I was like, it looks kind of like our super sauce package. And it's spelled like a char because, you know, we had spelled a char with two A's because it was phonetic. And, um, and a lot of times it's just called Indian pickle at the groceries at, at the Indian shop. Um, and so, and also that it was definitely, I mean, I made a roasted garlic achar and their ingredient deck has roasted garlic in it, but you don't see roasted garlic in a, in a garlic achar usually. Um, and so, I mean, it would have been fine. Say like they took our curry ketchup, right? And they, they made, you know, Trader Joe's curry ketchup. I don't care. Cause there's so many, cur- there's other curry ketchups out there. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, like, you know, like a, a lot of people are just like, uh, you know, like what? I don't know. <laughs> it was just, it was, it was a hard decision, but I mainly did it because, you know, we work so hard to kind of educate people on what a char is and like, what it should taste like. And then to have this kind of inferior product be on the shelf, it was being, it was doing a disservice to people that actually want to learn more about what Indian cuisine is all about and what achar is. Absolutely. And I wanted to ask, cause, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were having conversations before with Trader Joe's about potentially, um, private labeling. Is that something that you currently do or is that something you want to do? How, how much does private labeling fit into your overall strategy? Yeah. So that opportunity, we don't private label our product and it's because we have, we make a premium product. So it's really hard also to make a private label deal kind of work at that, <laughs> at that point. Um, we did get pretty far in the conversations with them, but then, you know, they told us that they were launching another Indian sauce. <laughs> and then they'd and then look at it, look at it now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And then, um, yeah, but it, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough game to play if you're making a premium product, um, to, to private label it because, private label products are so cheap. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's really tough. Yep, that makes sense. And I imagine, I mean, the whole point with a Trader Joe's, but even if it's not Trader Joe's, is that you're, you're getting something that's special, but it's still Trader Joe's priced. And so I imagine on your end, that must be very difficult to make the economics work. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, well, we are almost running out of time, but I always want to try to look forward with the end. So can you just talk about sort of what you're focused on this year? Is it product expansion? Is it more of a national grocery presence? Sort of what are you thinking about and what are you hoping to accomplish next year? Yeah. So right now, as we said, I am really concentrating on kind of the D2C uh, piece of our business. So we're redesigning our website. Um, We are getting um, together a number of these different um, offerings that are going to be going on to the site. Um, We're also um, just working on moving moving um, more of our product into more stores. So um, we're actively um, selling more of our SKUs into more grocery stores and and launching new um, retailers really like um, 
every month where uh, we just we're coming out at the fresh market um, very soon. And so I'm really excited. We have a, a lot of um, really great things. And, you know, I'm develop I'm continuing to develop more SKUs. And so uh, there's going to be a lot of new products coming out from Brooklyn Deli. Um, How many SKUs do you have right now? Right now we have 11. <laughs> wow. And what do you what is your ideal SKU number for the end of 2023, let's say? Um, I'd say, let's see, uh, maybe like 15 or 16. Yeah. That's awesome. Because we have a lot in development right now. So very cool. Well, Chithra, this has been such a wonderful conversation. Thank you for joining. Thanks so much for having me. It was, it was a lot of fun. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Modern Retail Podcast, a show by Digiday. If you haven't already, please do subscribe and send this podcast over to a friend who you know would enjoy it. See you next week. Bye.